0: When the senior leadership of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration began to assemble a team for Apollo 11, that's the rocket that went to the moon, with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins on board, when they assembled that team, they were looking to match up the right people with the right job. You've got that job, too. It doesn't matter if you're launching a rocket or changing a culture, leadership is has a key tool available. Picking the right people, putting together the right team, and then generating the energy to launch. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Well, there it is, the sound of a rocket taking off the launch And today that means another edition of our podcast, Rocket Science for Leaders. I'm Erie Chapman. So how do you pick the right team, line up the right leaders in a healing hospital that's practicing radical loving care? There's an overall guiding principle, and it's called watching for people with a servant's heart. I've had to define a lot of things in this radical loving care language that we use. I've never had to define or explain to anybody what it means to have a servant's heart. Everybody seems to get what that is. And yet, a lot of people, when I ask them, do they have a team of people with servant's hearts, they'll look up in the air where people seem to think they're going to find an answer. And and they'll say to me, "Uh, most of the group. And I said, well, who doesn't have that? They've interpreted servant's heart as including a person who's loving and caring and also capable, and they've interpreted not having one as someone who is pretty competent, but not compassionate. I want to redefine that for you. A person with a servant's heart has a roughly equal balance of compassion and competence. Now, by equal, I don't mean exactly on the scales. I mean that they're able to engage both at the same time, to be tough-minded and tender-hearted. So, you're looking for people that have a servant's heart There's nothing loving about being kind and caring and compassionate and delivering incompetent care. Now, what does competence mean? Right person, right job. Here's my comparison for that. Whether or not you've heard of the great, now retired basketball player, Michael Jordan, I'll just tell you that he's a legend. He's legendary for his astonishing ability to play great basketball for the Chicago Bulls, leading them to several championships. Here's the funny thing about Michael Jordan. He was a genius on the basketball court. In the off season, he decided he'd try baseball. He wasn't a genius on the baseball field. He played okay, but he never got beyond, I don't know, maybe double A, maybe triple A ball. He also goes out in the golf course. He practiced a lot. He played a lot. Not that great. Pretty good, but no legend. He was only a legend in one particular area, basketball. Now, There's another thing we don't know. I actually had the chance to meet Michael Jordan, charming, capable, wonderful human being. What was his leadership ability? He hasn't really played that role. Now I'm going to draw you all the way from the basketball court to the salad line in Dietary at Riverside Methodist Hospital, watching where people do their best. I'm sitting with Gladys, who, when I asked her, said, I work in salads here at Riverside. And I said to her, this was a 25-year employee recognition event. So I said, tell me about that. She said, well, I work in salads, and I love to do that. And I said, how long have you worked in salads? And she said, 25 years. Now, she probably could see what I was thinking, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that she was right. Because she said to me, you're probably thinking, you know, salads, that's pretty simple. That's no big deal. Uh, Because here you are. I mean, you're like the big hotshot CEO. She was calling the numbers out and hitting them accurately. Again, I'm embarrassed to say. But in those moments years ago, she quickly taught me a lesson I will pass on if you haven't already got it. She then said to me with astonishing passion, I have to tell you, Mr. Chapman, I love to make salads. I said, good what's that mean? She said, I come in in the morning and I start putting my salads together. You know, she said, my salads. She said, I put my salads together and I think about little design things to do with them. And when they're all done and I put them together, I know I got to do it fairly fast. And I put them out and I like peeking around through the door and seeing people eating my salads. Oh, I just love doing that, Mr. Chapman. And I've loved it for 25 years. And I said, Gladys, we are so lucky to have you here. She said, Well, thanks. I said, Really? We want people who are good at what they do and who love doing it. So there's Gladys, the right person in the right job. You put me in that job, I'd be terrible. You put Gladys in my job, Actually, I said that to her. Hey, you know, uh, maybe you'd be good at my job. She said, absolutely not. I would hate that job. I wouldn't know what to do. Well, so what? She's in the right job, and I think I was as well. As you're assembling a team, if you find you've got some people that are in the wrong job, your responsibility as a leader is to either move them to the right job, number one, number two, find out what their potential is that may not be being recognized. Potential is a strange reservoir of human energy, typically inadequately tapped. The job of the leader is to find out where that potential is and to bring it out. Now, some people will tell me leaders are born not made, or a good nurse is born not made, or a good employee is born not made. That is not true. The truth is that although some people can never be great in a particular area, Everyone has some level of compassion. Everyone has some level of ability to lead. That just may not be their biggest strength. But what's important is to know that that potential is there. Your job is to diagnose, to recognize, find ways to bring it out. I'll give you a simple example of that. I was down watching the admitting staff at Baptist Hospital, very busy ER in a 750-bed hospital. And I was watching the admitting clerk, and she was doing that thing that a lot of admitting clerks end up doing. Now, I want to emphasize, I am not in that job. That's a hard job. It can be monotonous, but what are you seeing out there? You're seeing people come in with all kinds of problems. So she's checking people in, and she's saying to a person at the counter, here is the form. She'd push the form at him. Go have a seat. Here's the form. Fill us out. Have a seat. Here's the form. Fill us out. Have a seat. She wasn't saying welcome. She wasn't saying anything except essentially, here's the form. So what do we do? I'm watching it, and I'm trying to think, what would I do? And if so, if I'm thinking how to affect that, what do I do? When? Uh, let's see. I think her name was Adeline. So Adeline's sitting there. She's checking people in. She's doing it kind of monotonically. Suddenly, a friend of hers walks up, and she turns and says, hey, Joyce, how you doing? Just a second. Do this form." Have a seat, fill it out, bring it back to me. So Joyce, how you been? That was it. I saw it. Adeline had the potential to deliver that same kind of friendliness to the patient that she did to Joyce. Here's what happened next, by the way. The next patient walked up to the counter, and he's going, oh, oh, oh." clearly in pain, holding his stomach. And what'd she do? She says, here's the form. Go have a seat. Fill it out. Oh, golly. I thought, we have got to help support Adeline. So later on, I got the chance to talk to her, and here's a key thing about leadership. We found out that Adeline had the potential to deliver that kind of friendliness to the patient coming in the door, the patient coming up to the counter. How do we bring that out? First thing I said to her was, Adeline, I've been been watching you there, and how long have you been doing that? She said, I've been doing this for, I don't know, eight years straight. I said, how do you like the job? She said, well, it's a little bit monotonous. And I said, now, I noticed that you kind of say the same thing to each patient coming up. I'm not here. you know, So I'm not making any judgments. I just wondered, do you say the same thing? And she said, well, Mr. Chapman, I'll tell you, I used to be real friendly to people. And the supervisor, listen to this, the supervisor said to me, I was taking too much time. So I quit doing that. And I got into this thing you saw. Next, next, next. I'd like to do it differently, but I don't think they're going to let me. Now, the supervisor's 10 next to me. <laughs> She's feeling embarrassed. But still, we've got a challenge. How do we train this staff person? First, we've got to figure out what would we like to hear if we walked up to the counter. What's the potential? How do we find this potential in Adeline? How do we generate that energy so that everybody who's admitting patients is delivering it? We've got to help figure out what's the kind of thing we'd want to hear. The supervisor says, "Now nah, you know, we can't go into this long explanation. We can't, you know, develop a deep friendship bond with every patient coming to the window. And I said, you know, I, I know that. What do we want? She said, well, I just want to see people checked in as rapidly and efficiently as possible. I think that's what patients want. I said, I agree with you. The patients do want to be checked in as quickly as possible. How can we make this a little bit better experience with something that wouldn't take a long time? We got an answer. Who gave us the answer? Adeline. I said to her, Adeline, if your mom came in or if you came in yourself, what would you like to hear at the front desk? I said, before you answer, Adeline, imagine that you walk in like that guy did, you know, feeling all kinds of pain. She said, well, you know, I'd, I'd want the, the clerk to acknowledge the pain. I said, well, how would you do that? She said, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I could just say something like, I mean, gee, I can see your pain. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, we'll get to you as soon as we can. We've got some paperwork here, but I, I want to promise you that we're going to get to you as quickly as we can. So go have a seat, and I'll see if I can move things along. Golly, that's a pretty good answer. I shared it with the supervisor, and I said, what do you think? Well, she could see I like the answer, too. And I said, wait a minute. How would you like it? She said, I guess I would prefer to hear that. I said, oh, good. How long did it take for Adeline to say, gee, I'm sorry to see you're in pain? How do we adopt behavior change? Remember who taught us? Adeline taught us because we gave her a chance. She became a teacher. Adeline, I'm glad to say, was not only freed to do that, but when I came by two months later and I saw her there and said, how you doing? She said, gee, I sure do like my job a whole lot better. Now, I'd stayed out of sight and listened to her, and she was greeting people, not mechanically. When the person did not seem to be in a whole lot of pain, Adeline still said to them, "Okay, boy, you came to the right place. We're going to take good care of you. Got some forms to fill out. And she was just as efficient as before, but much more effective. Because underneath that mechanical exterior that I first saw, Adeline had a servant's heart. So look for that servant's heart. And when you see it, find ways to nurture it and bring it out. Don't give strict instructions on exactly what the person up front has to say. Invite them into the dialogue. These are adults. These are our partners. These are the people that bring energy, that help us lift the rocket, change culture, deliver the best patient care we all say we need. This has been Rocket Science for Leaders, and I'm Erie Chapman, urging and encouraging all of you live love, not fear. These leadership podcasts are sponsored by the Erie Chapman Foundation. Please visit our website. It's eriechapmanfoundation.net. When you go to the site, you'll find information there and a chance to contribute. Please do if you can. Help support Radical Loving Care.